Hey, this is Warren from Taming Sorry, and you're listening to On The Fly with Stevie and Jason. Again, another top 10 list tonight. Tonight, we're going dark and deep into the dungeon of, and it, it, look, yeah, Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, Ronnie James Dio. We've got Geezer Butler. Look at, look at my guy there. <laughs> uh, with me tonight, back again. And actually, I have to say this. The first ever video interview I did was with this guy right here. And it was by mistake. What? It was because, what? yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if you remember it or not, but my phone wouldn't call uh, call over to Canada. We, I couldn't make international calls. So we we ventured out and we tried Zoom. And you can see it on the uh, YouTube page. Of course, my internet's a lot better now. So we're, we're, we're dealing with it a little bit better. Won't be much of a lag. Because last time I would ask a question and I think, with the lag, he probably would hear it about four or five seconds later. But tonight's a little bit better. But with me tonight is the lead singer for for the rock group Taming Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Taming Sorry, Mr. Warren Mer- Meredith. What's up, buddy? How you doing tonight? Oh, it's great to be here, Stevie. Uh, this is gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna talk about some of the some of the original legends here of of rock music, and then what became heavy metal. So. It's going to be fun. You know, and as a kid, when Black Sabbath's name come up, you know, I was a Kiss fan. But when, and, and you know, everybody, and it's kind of kind of hypocritical because here's Kiss, a, a demon up on stage, spitting blood and breathing fire. I'm not worried about him, but when I hear the word Black Sabbath, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. The only... A little background on how I got into Black Sabbath, and this is kind of of a good story. Um, I got into professional wrestling in 1984, the late part of 1984, and I was watching these guys. And I was, and, and you know, you hear them, they, they started coming out the music back then, it was big with the wrestling thing, everybody had a theme song. And then I'm seeing these guys, these big dudes, come out with face paint. At spikes, shoulder pads, and I'm like, and that, and then the song comes on, and it was like, and I'm like, what the heck is that? And of course, it was the Road Warriors from the old NWA days, Crockett days, coming out to Iron Man, and I was like, what the heck was that? And that song, yeah. I mean, you didn't hear much of the song, but you heard enough where it made me want to go venture out and and find out what who sang that and what it was. And I remember that year for Christmas, my mom was asking me, what do you want for Christmas? Make a list and all this. And she never had any problem with kiss. Never had a problem with buying the math, buying all the stuff. But when I put, I found (laughs) out who sang the song. When I put black (laughs) Sabbath paranoid cassette on the list, she looked at me like, 
what are you doing now? And I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to go worship the devil or anything. I promise you. It's just there's a song on there I want to. And yeah, Paranoid, that was how I got into Black Sabbath. What was your first memory of getting into Black Sabbath? You know, so, okay, so I'm born in 86, and I'm probably watching the Letterman show in the early 90s, and that's probably the first time I would have been introduced to Ozzy, and uh, would have been him, you know, I'm guessing it would have been after uh, Black Sabbath, of course, for him, because he's from 70 to 80, and, and, and then Ozzy goes on to have this you know, monster career of his own afterwards. But he stayed with everything that Black Sabbath was. And I got that. Even as a kid, I understood that Ozzy was the Prince of Darkness. And I understood (laughs) that that whatever Ozzy and Black Sabbath had, Ozzy was carrying it on. Ozzy was still the darkness. So I think that they they marketed that successfully through, uh, through the 90s for him. And made sure people understood that he, uh, I guess that's Sharon's work. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> he, he, she's a huge legend in the industry. Um, oh, yeah. Like, the, one of my great memories from, you know, first time I got to open for a bigger band was with the opening for the London Choir Boys. Or this now known as the Choir Boys. Right. And, uh, you know, and so they have that great piano rock which is just so cool honky tonk rock style from England. And uh, their stories were fantastic. Cause when I got to talk to them about like, you know, how they grew up in the same town as the Rolling Stones um, were the same age, knew them all the way, good friends with them to this day, went on world tour with uh, guns and roses. And of course, yeah, exactly. In 93. So during the big year. Oh, wow. Use your yeah. Leader. Yeah. 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 And so then of course, the big thing was that they got managed by Sharon Osbourne because Spike, their lead singer, who has a raspy voice, so I really like him. He has a similar style voice to myself. or He's more of a Rod Stewart, to be honest with you, but went in a different right. style. But, uh, yeah, so that uh, – what was I thinking again? I don't know. Anyways, that band uh, was awesome and uh, had a big influence on me, and Sharon had to step in and manage them for a time. That was my point. So Sharon had a lot of experience with Ozzy and with Black Sabbath with drug abuse and recovering artists and bringing them back and making them productive again. So the record labels brought her in with the choir boys, but it didn't work out long term. I guess they didn't see eye to eye, but (laughs) both are successful today in my eyes. Still, they're still both rocking around the world. Anyways, that's my little side story. Yeah, you know, Sharon has you know, some people give her the bad rap about, you know, how she's treated somebody. I think she had a little incident with Iron Maiden a couple of years back about unplugging stuff and all this and eggs. But the lady knows what she's doing. I mean, she's turned Ozzy into a, a marketing. I mean, you even when the whole the whole craze with the Osbournes reality show, I'm sure that was all Sharon. Uh, but, you know, she knows what she definitely knows what she's doing. She turned Ozzy's career around where he could have ended up in the toilet. He could have probably would end up dead somewhere. And then she, she gets him back on track. And actually tomorrow night, this is going to be like an Ozzy week for me tomorrow night. I've got another friend coming on. We're doing top 10 Ozzy Osbourne songs. So that nice. I've been, I've been hearing Ozzy in my sleep this week. So, You're going to be Ozzy'd uh, out. 
Yeah. Oh, Sharon. But uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So what we do here, we it is simple. We do our top ten list. We start at number ten, move move right down to number one, and then we compare our list, and then we'll put it out there. And if you got whoever you guys think's got the best, we'll make the Black Sabbath heavyweight champion of the world. But doing my <laughs> doing my it's not me. <laughs> Doing my research on this, and I don't know if you realize or not, a lot, a lot of these songs that they did, and, and you know, it's got the like, like Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, or Black Sabbath, or Heaven and Hell. People will always look at it like this is promoting evil. This is promoting evil. And a lot of these songs are doing the exact opposite. It's talking about hatred for evil or going against evil, Heaven and Hell saying that you've got a little bit of heaven and a little bit of hell inside of you. And I'm giving away some of my stuff here. But, you know, it was interesting to read how misconstrued a lot of this stuff gets. because, And I think it's just because the name Black Sabbath is is up there. I don't know. But, you know, they really played on it to, to good use. They did a great job marketing it from the very beginning. And you can really, what I enjoyed the most about it was hearing the, the sonic development through the, uh, first with Ozzy and then into Dio. I really found this development, this linear development, where they were getting slightly heavier, slightly heavier, but maintaining groove, maintaining that, uh, that rock groove vibe, but it was getting heavier by the, by the moment. And the guitars were getting thicker. And uh, Iommi's always featured, it seems, on every album, doing his own little his own little song, his own little thing. And it became clear to me that it, it's Iommi's band. But oh yeah, but but the beginning is really cool because Geezer Butler is the primary lyricist on most songs, and he's the bass player. So this is someone who isn't Ozzy, who isn't Dio, who isn't Tony. And he's critical in not only these crazy bass lines that I think are really critical to the, so- to the sound that Black Sabbath has, but he's also writing the lyrics. And the motifs yeah. are carried through. Like the dark, the dark style is always carried through, but it's done tastefully. And most of it is anti-drug messaging or yep. like, yep. Don't, don't do this or this will happen to you. And also, I think it's like it's only natural. You had like the Beatles and great music like that in a in a different style coming out throughout the 60s. And then 1970, boom, we're getting the juxtaposition. We're getting the other side of things. We're going to hear the other way the guitar can go. And it's like it's happening, I guess, similar time as Deep Purple or, um, you know, the very beginning uh, foundation of, of heavy. And uh, it's so cool. Like, I don't, of course, have any under real understanding of that time period. But when I listen to the music and I listen to them progress, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Like to hear the the them get better and better. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like I said, I was late getting into Sabbath and that Sabbath actually got me into Ozzy. And I think uh, I think I got into Ozzy about Ultimate Sin Time, 86. But, you know, checking out the back stuff and finding this stuff, you know, it, it's, it's just awesome. Because, like I said, Paranoid, I, I remember getting that on cassette. I, she actually went through and got it for me for Christmas. 
I, I pulled out my Walkman and listened to it with my earphones so she wouldn't have to hear it. But uh, yeah, Paranoid was just an awesome start to finish. And there's a lot. I've got I've got a lot of Paranoid up here on my list. But uh, we're going to start it off. And I'm going to let you take the floor first since you're the guest. We'll start off with oh, your number boy. 10. Okay. Uh, my number 10 then. Let's go with uh, The Wizard. Let's go off the first album Ooh. and start with what I think is uh, obviously an iconic opening where Ozzy claims to have played the harmonica uh, in some reports and denies yeah. and it's denied in others. And, and I highly doubt he did, but, but maybe, maybe he did. Anyway, anyways, what I love about uh, that first album is the rawness and we get to hear black Sabbath finding itself and we get to hear Ozzy Osbourne in different tonalities um, later on, you'll hear him only in the high range. And this goes on later, I'm sure you find in, in when he does Ozzy Osbourne. Is yep. He finds this high range, this sweet spot where we all love it. And of course, it, it made him, I think, world famous. That, that high range sweet spot that he found. But in the first album, he doesn't always do it. Sometimes nope. he's in a different tonal range. He's lower. He's gravelly. Um, there's all these different experiments going on with Ozzy's voice in the first album. And I think that's present in the wizard. Um, and it's seventies rock sound defined. I think even if you take out, uh, the darkness, this song is just, it's seventies rock. Like it doesn't even need to have the dark edge to it to be awesome. The wizard is just, it, it reminds me of Led Zeppelin. It reminds me of a lot of music from that time period. Right. So, yeah, my first song is The Wizard. Okay, my number 10, and I'm going to go a little bit off what what you wouldn't think. I don't think many people would think. Uh, off Paranoid, and it's Planet Caravan. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I remember, you know, you're going through this whole Paranoid album, and I don't remember which what came in the line. It was a little bit later. It may have been on side two of the cassette, but you're hearing all this heavy, heavy, heavy. And then all of a sudden you hear this this light, light hard stuff. I mean, it it, it was different, uh, but it was still good. And I, for a long time, I had a hard time. And I know it was effects of, of, of a different microphone he was using. But for a long time, I had a hard time believing that was Ozzy Osbourne singing that song with the effects they had on it. But it's funny you talk about, and this is another Geezer Butler song. It's funny you talked about that earlier because when everybody talks about, about I said Ozzy, Black Sabbath, you hear Ozzy, Ozzy's songs. You, you do hear a little bit about Ronnie James Dio, or either you hear Tony Iommi with, and with good reason with that different sounding guitar. You hardly ever hear about Geezer Butler at the bass. And I totally agree with you. That makes a lot of these Sabbath songs, is, and, and you don't hear about him doing the writing. And, and yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. At this stuff, and, and over the years, you know, Geezer Butler, probably the MVP of Black Sabbath. It, I mean, yeah, everybody yeah. else gets the the Ozzy gets the credit, Iommi gets the credit, but Geezer Butler was probably the MVP of Black Sabbath. But Planet Caravan, man, I mean, you're just it's one of those. I guess it was one of those '70s trippy songs. And uh, actually comes back later on, to, and you have a little bit of a uh, little bit of trivia here. Uh, the space, the 
astronauts were woke up to this song in 2020. Can you imagine you sitting in space and you hear this song coming on when you're waking up in the morning? You'd be like tripping a little bit there too. But yeah, uh, you know, I was thinking like, would you even dare, you know, eat eat a stem or you know up there in outer space? Would you even <laughs> I dare? I mean, I mean, I. I I, I'm sure some cosmonaut somewhere he's mushed out, you know, for, for the good of the nation. I'm sure it happens once upon a time, but uh, wow, that would be epic just to have the music. Uh, when we yeah. had Commander Hadfield up at the International Space Station, um, he made everyone here in Canada proud because he did uh, the David Bowie, right? And uh, Space Oddity and played it on guitar up yeah. in space and yeah, floating around I in space. About, I and then, about that spun the guitar around and i was like that's so epic like that's legendary like but yeah, yeah it, totally isn't it funny though how back then like i said talking about my mom with the black sabbath thing with the cassette on my christmas list she kind of frowned at it but then you're hearing this this, this the astronauts are getting woke up to a black sabbath song i mean it's it's crazy or but yeah number 10 for me is planet caravan all right let's go to your number nine Okay. Um, okay, we'll go with. Uh, we talked about the bassist and about but uh, the original bassist and lyricist Geezer Butler and like how awesome he was and like shout out to bass players because in Taming Sorry our bass player is like critical as well and I always tell people like you know like think about Queen and think about John Deacon but I'm also gonna now always remember to tell them yeah. about Geezer Butler. Because it's the same thing. And I tell them about my bass player, Alex Pellerin. He, he's critical. There's no band without him. Like, it's it's the same uh, a thing where he's he's just a critical, critical piece of creating that sound. And you need all that dedication. Anyway, song 10, I think we'll go with, we'll give Dio his, his due here. I'll bet you this is on your list, too. I mean, um Actually, no, I'll make sure maybe it won't be on your list. Okay, let's go with Children of the Sea, Dio, because I think that that bass line is really awesome. And uh, the whole song is awesome. And again, what I like about Dio is like the refinement of, of the sound. Like he joins the band 10 years later, and it's the same sound. It's the same other guys, but it becomes more regal sounding. It becomes more, well, his style of, singing makes it that way but i mean yeah. it just ha it, it changes a little bit and you can hear the metal all of a sudden it's becoming heavy metal in a really good way in a really good way and that's i think it was a, a good thing for uh, sabbath they never wanted him to leave from my understanding uh, he only stuck around for for a while a limited yeah. time but i know they did not want him to leave um so yeah, let's go with that. Children of the Sea. I think it's a great song, a little bit maybe underheard. And I like Children of the Grave as well, but I'll leave that one for you. I'll bet you maybe that one's on your list. Uh, Children of the Grave. This You, you kind of got me. I thought you were going to go deeper when you said the Dio. I thought we were going to agree because my number nine is also a Dio song. And I'm like you. Uh, same sound, but different but different and and you know if people have their thing well are you a ozzy ozzy guy in sabbath or are you a ronnie james dio guy in sabbath? you know I, it, good music was good music i didn't pick that just like van halen with hagar or or roth you know i didn't i don't pick that. i like good music but this one to me and i just came across this one not too long ago 
It's uh, I. I don't know if you've heard that the song I of the Sabbath album, but Ronnie James Dio sings it. And, uh, you know, some of the lyrics. Let me see if I pull these lyrics up here. Uh, no, this was actually uh, actually what he said, what Dio said was that this was the one of his favorite songs he did with Sabbath, if not the favorite. And another, it's another testament to Dio's tremendous songwriting skills that shows us that the iconic singer knew how characters, characterization, tone, and symbolism much more important in crafting a delightfully sinister song than just going over the top of gruesomeness and brutality. Is also one of the greatest portrayals of the fallen angel in all of music history. I don't know about all that. I'm reading that off of a little, a little, little uh, excerpt. They were talking about Vinny Apice said that that was Dio's favorite Sabbath song. But reading up on this and looking, I said, well, okay, well I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna li- I'm gonna give this song a listen. And I don't know if you've heard it before, but it starts off kind of kind of slow grooving, but man. And he and the words to it talking about I am a monster, I am this, I am that, and it it'll get you. You know, I went out for my walk and listened to it again today, and it'll get you kind of pumped up. But yeah, you know, and Ronnie James Dio, I didn't really get into a lot of the Dio Sabbath stuff until later on because for a while there, it, when the '80s in '86 when I got into to like metal music, and Dio was his own band had his own band, didn't realize he had been in Sabbath. But then later on, man, I, there's several. There's there's a couple of uh, Dio songs on this list for me. But uh, yeah, I. If you haven't checked it out, check out I. That's a, I think it's a little bit of a deeper cut. But come is that off the second album? Do you think that, that is off the second album he did? Hold on, with them. I'll find out for you right now because I listened to it on my iTunes. I think that's a cool part of the story with with Sabbath is uh, the eight song format with the album. And they're always constantly trying to fill 40 minutes because that's pretty much what you can put on on the vinyl. And uh, you can you can put, uh, you know, about 44 minutes on it. And uh, Sabbath does it over and over again. They'll do these eight song albums and they did like three or four in two years, like a ridiculous amount of music was made. Yeah in a very short amount of time. Ozzy did 10 years with this band and, uh, and, and then, you know, like nine albums. So I think, I, I think they explored what they wanted to explore together. And they may have strained relationships because of all the touring back to the studio, back to touring, back to the studio. And the deal was just to freshen up. He was a, he was a nice, fresh voice, a fresh attitude. And they could try some things a bit differently. And he's awesome. He's an awesome vocalist on his own. Like yeah. yeah, that's great. I I came off of when when Dio came back to Sabbath in '92 off the Humanizer. Okay, yeah. Oh wow, uh, nice. Yeah. So the that's, comeback album, nice. Yeah, with Geezer's back, and uh, you got Vinnie Peace, and then uh, of course I always there. But yeah, Dehumanizer. Cause I'd never really listened to Dehumanizer till this this stuff came around. We started doing this research, but yeah, I yeah. I mean, if you don't get a chance to listen to it, listen to that. That's a pretty pretty awesome song. Nice. So who you got at number eight? 
Okay, so at number eight, let's be lame and let's but I've got a reason for being lame. Um, so we're gonna just say we're just gonna say paranoid, and I'm gonna just say why. This band has no singles. This band has no attempts at being a single band. And people, when they hear paranoid, they go, paranoid, why are you doing that again? Paranoid, why? Because it's it's their only single. Even Iron Man is five minutes long, which is like yeah. way too long to be considered a single. And this band was like five, five minute long songs was like the bare minimum. So like, I think it was critical if they didn't have this song chart, if they didn't have this song play on the radio, I don't think we would know about Black Sabbath. I don't think they would have taken off because, uh, and maybe Paranoid helped change the, the scene as well. I mean, we had music going in this direction where we're at today, where it's like, if you can come up with a song that's three minutes, that's what the radio wants. They're not yeah. interested in yeah. five or six minute songs. They're going to laugh at you or just ignore you at least. So, I mean, uh, I think it was critical. that, that, that and, and it's so big in their sound and represents the drug use going on. It's just... I think it's important. People might think, uh, that's cliche. And that's why I'm saying it, because I know you're going to go with the deeper cuts. And uh, but I got to bring it to the to the frontier. It, it's classic. It's it's everything that that uh, Black Sabbath is supposed to be. Yeah, you you know, I, I we'll talk about that a little bit more because that's a little bit higher on my list. But uh, yeah, paranoid. nice, nice. Yeah, you 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 can't go. I mean, the way it starts off, I, I you know, that. Oh man, paranoid. Yeah, I've definitely got it on my list, and like I said, a little bit higher. But I don't think that's lame at all, right there. You know, you, <laughs> it's their only single. And tell me this now, and maybe you know you're a little bit more into the music industry than I am. What was the reasoning back, like in the seventies? Listen to a, you know, I do like a, I made a challenge to myself about almost a year ago now to listen to more complete albums, you know, from start to finish. And some of these seventies albums there, they've got the songs that are like six or seven minutes long. And I mm -hmm. know now the reason they do shorter, shorter songs is cause radio, you know, radio won't play right. the longer app, but what was the reasoning behind, you know, them doing the longer songs? I mean, like Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, right. And I know they that, that was just how they wrote stuff then, but and, and I guess I just answered my own question. The reason they do it shorter songs because of radio now, but uh, it, it just seemed like a lot back then that I listened to have like seven or eight minute songs. Jamming out was, I think, um, a big deal, and it, it still is a big deal to musicians. Jam rock, jamming out. Um, and I think that, like, the more of a musician you are, the more you remember being, like, in a, you know, in a 12-bar blues pattern for, like, 20 minutes with, with, with a bunch of dudes. And you're just locked in it. You're not getting out of that groove. And uh, there's a lot of music from that time that's long, that yeah. we would consider long. Um, I think people just saw it differently. They thought of it differently. It wasn't about the marketing plan that way. It was about getting people to try and buy into a whole vibe. Um, and like I was saying, like even on the Black Sabbath albums, there seems like there's always two songs that I wouldn't call throwaways, 
but they're not serious in the same regard as the other six. I normally hear about six songs on those first three, four albums that are incredible. They're all incredible albums. Um, But I hear about six songs a piece that I'm like, wow. And then about two songs where they get experimental or they go right off the deep end. Um, I think that's, there's a lot of experimentation going on and there's a lot of a search for a pattern going on here because there is no single pattern being chased, which for me is interesting. For me, I, I want to make singles. That's the, the world I, I feel like I live in right now. I feel like no one's interested in, in picking up a full book. They're just interested in taking a page and getting into that. Um, and so I, I, at least that's the way it feels. Also, it's so hard to market and get value on a full album today. Um, each song, you want to feel like it's worth uh selling it's worth representing you want to feel like it's you you've done the work on it and there's so many artists today i think that's the other difference yeah today on spotify there's just like so many people uploading music all the time that for me i think it's like i we have to humble ourselves like i i I look at this and i i sometimes i go wow i can't believe they recorded so much music in such a short period of time but i realize with my band and with us we're trying to be incredibly strategical, incredibly shrewd with our, with our dollars spent, um, incredibly, uh, like I was saying, strategical thinking about how you're going to enter the market. Can you get noticed? And if you're going to get noticed, it's one song, to be honest with you. Um, and it's so hard these days to, to compare yeah. yourself. The musicianship was awesome. Like these guys are amazing musicians. The, yeah. the drumming, everything is really, really good. There's no faulting any of it anywhere. And uh, again, today, do we practice as much? Do people practice as much? Yeah, the best do. But I mean, not everybody. It was like a different way. I think music just, it held a room. It was different. Put on a record in a room and leave it for for an hour, for 40 minutes. Yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people don't do that these days. But uh, No, no. <clears throat> All right. My number eight, and I changed this. And this is one we talked before we went on there about how I had finalized my list this afternoon when I messaged when you messaged me and uh, and yeah I came in here at six thirty and said you know I'm gonna put this on there I, I can't leave this one off from Black Sabbath Volume Four Snowblind and oh. yeah the song is exactly what it sounds about like yeah. about addiction to cocaine yeah, it's about the cocaine. <laughs> Snowblind is the addiction, and when my eyes are blind but I can see it, it can either mean the trip, going cold turkey, or an overdose. Of course, the Sabbath was tied to a lot of drug use with good reason. I think they admit that, no doubt about it, especially with Ozzy. But the band wanted to call the album Snowblind, but the record company wouldn't allow it. But, man, you know, and and like I said, when I went for my walk today, I, I turned Sabbath on just let it play and this was actually i had a list of about 20 songs and snowblind was one of them and i was like back and forth with it. i said you know i've got i got to put this on the list i can't leave it off ozzy does a great job here uh and and what can you say like 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 we talked about with the guitar work and the bass bass work here it, it just all comes together and man i i'm when i'm hearing it i'm just like where why didn't i know about this song before 
Because I, I heard, you know, when you hear people talk about some of the Sabbath songs, I'm like, well, I, I, I'll listen to Sabbath. But, you know, when I finally get around to really listen to this stuff, man, these guys are incredible. And uh, Snowblind for me is number eight. Absolutely. That's that's cool. And yeah. And then the the, uh, the record label changed it the day before or something. They changed it yeah, to like yeah. they called it to volume four, which volume pissed the four. band off. <laughs> the band was like, yo, we, we never we, we never called any of the other albums volume one, two or three. So why are you doing why would you call it that? <laughs> you know, I always but, thought I always thought that was kind of weird when you look through the discography. And you see all this, I was like, well, where's the other volumes at? You know, where's volume three? Where's volume two? Just like you said. And there's none. But, you know, I guess that was the best they could come up with in a short time. I think it was the record label making a move on Zeppelin because Zeppelin was naming their albums, you know, Zeppelin one, Zeppelin two and uh, marketing that successfully. And I would see them doing the same thinking, let's just name it like this. And people will kind of see like, you know, a trend um that's my thought on it you know (laughs) but that's a great that's a great song for sure and it comes a bit later and do you find like it's heavy do you find it's heavier or do you you, where do you find it sitting it's heavier to me i mean yeah 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 it's heavier to me i i will i sat there and listened to it today and i actually repeated it as i was walking and i was like you know this and I was listening to it when you came on the stream tonight. Yeah, it's heavier to me. Okay. So what? which one am I on now? Number seven? You are on number seven. All right. Number seven. Let's go with uh, Sabra Cadabra off uh, Sabbath Ooh. Bloody Sabbath. I think that uh, Ozzy's high end, his voice here is like mastered. And it's like on full display. And this is like... The musicality is uh, is improved from before. The complexity is like really high. Like as a song, as a musician, I, I appreciate this song. The funness of it, the rock and roll of it, and also like again, just the musicality is really great. And Ozzy's high end voice on display, and it's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun listening to that song again, and I forgot about it. And I was like, no, this is like the type of song where you're camping and like it just comes on and you know you're like what what is that what what is that song you know to me it's one of those where you it kind of flips by in your memory but if you hear it you're like that's pretty that's pretty fun song i like that yeah um i didn't have sabracadabra up on that was one of my other one of my honorable mentions but didn't metallica do a cover of that on the uh, garage inc i think so I think, I think so. that was I think that was Metallica that did it. Yeah. But uh my number seven, we'll go right into that. <laughs> another another great another uh blah, 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 another drug reference here, marijuana, sweet leaf. And I mean they make no attempt to disguise the fact that that this is about marijuana. They talk about I mean, from the start of the song, when you hear Tony Iommi coughing. <laughs> and they do the re- uh, 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 and and then it starts off. And, I mean, there's no doubt what this is about, but uh, pulls it off great. Uh, but Sweet Leaf, <clears throat> excuse me, Sweet Leaf is is definitely one of those. Like I said, another Sabbath song that I hear people. I've heard people talking about. I heard them 
mentioned Sweet Leaf is a good song or, or either Sweet Leaf is – I guess it's what you like. But uh, Sweet Leaf definitely made my top ten at number seven. Yeah, that's on my list too. And, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's riff magic. Like, I was literally going to say that one, but I, I was decided to leave it, and now you've taken it. That's so horrible. But anyways, <laughs> the, riff, the riff on this is sweet, and it just gets stuck in your head. And the story behind it, again, is cool. Like, you know, Ozzy brings in this huge joint, and Naomi coughs like crazy, and then they use it later. And that's so great <laughs> that, 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 that's, that that happened. And you know, gives it a little more legitimacy. Um, but the lyrics are great. Again, uh, like you said, this is a fun song. Like, it's not really tongue-in-cheek. It's pretty much just a celebration yeah. Uh, yeah, of no doubt about it. And I think that's great. Like, for the time, it must have been really crazy. Must People must have been buzzing about that at the time. But, uh, you know, now, yeah, again... Yeah. Yeah, people want to learn it. It's, again, it's like Paranoid. It's one of those songs when you go to your guitar teacher, it's on your list, and you're going to, you know, if you're a guitar teacher, you're sick of it. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to bring in my guitarist. Yeah, I wanted to bring my guitarist down here tonight, Joe, um, just because he knows how to play all these songs. And so I wanted to have him, you know, play the songs as we talked about them. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll get him next time. He's working. He works at a music shop, of course, and uh, so okay. he he's working till nine. So I it's, it wasn't to to be tonight, but next time we'll get him on and okay, you know, maybe he'll play a little, the licks of the songs as we as we name them off. Um, he's got great <laughs> insight. Cool. Um, yeah. that's such a good one, Sweet Leaf. Yeah, you're you're on number six now. What you got? Okay. Uh, let's go with, uh, okay, off the Sabotage album, which comes far later, we'll go with uh, Symptom of the Universe. I think uh, Symptom of the Universe is this dark guitar uh, grunge groove, and I think it greatly in- may greatly influence uh, grunge music to come, and death metal at the same time. This, this riff can be used in two ways on uh, Symptom of the Universe. It's it's a very uh, drudging forward and that forward straight beat um, it becomes used a lot and I don't know if this is the first time or who they're taking it from or whatever but it wouldn't be popular at this time um, and again musically speaking about Sabbath like they're using uh, melodic uh, what's the minor scales more so than major now. And this is the whole secret here of the doom and the gloom and the, the don't, don't, don't. And, yeah. you know, today, like, <laughs> Ghost uh, really um, is utilizing this strategy great. If you're into this style of dark music, then I would recommend, like, going, listening to Ghost. Because you know, that's, it's not Sabbath, totally different, but it's got that dark uh, like I'm saying, the minor vibe to it. Uh, if you're, you know, into the music side of things. So yeah, yeah. I would say. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, sabotage is great, but you can hear it's it's ramping up. We're ramping into metal. It's music is changing. Uh, it's we're coming out of that '70s groove. Sabbath always has it. They as long as 
Ozzy is around. And as long as Dio's around, they have a different groove. But it's still yeah. very groovy music. Um, but they're ramping forward. Like, the guitars are getting thicker and thicker and sound way more like Van Halen or what I think in my head as what a Van Halen sonic sound is. And right. so that's kind of cool. It was kind of cool to hear Sabotage and, and, and hear that dark vibe get into that heavy metal feel. All right, guys. First, before I go to my next one, I'm going to talk a little bit. Uh, we got some guys in here watching. I want to give a shout-out to Greg Acree, Michael Harrow, Chris Odom, and my buddy Willie Keel, who is, is watching now. So we appreciate you guys watching. If you did, you've got in here late, we're doing top 10 Black Sabbath songs, our favorite Black Sabbath songs. With my buddy Warren Meredith from the rock group Tame and Sorry. And we're gonna talk a little bit after we get through with this list about something something's going on tomorrow for the for Tame yeah. and Sorry. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit. And I've I've these guys, you know, I came across them. I think you liked one of my Twitter Twitter posts and we got to talking one night and got to talking about the group. He he let me hear some of the songs. And now I mean I'm hooked. I'm I'm representing the with the yeah. shirt yeah so, so awesome. uh yeah these th these guys are great if you haven't had a chance to check them out guys check them out they they are great you can find them on apple music and coming tomorrow you, you're going to be able to hear their new song and we're going to talk about that just a little little bit more we're going to really get into that because i've heard it man and it it kicks butt I mean, <laughs> I, it really does it, it my daughter heard it said it had like a greta van fleet vibe to it that's cool. And, and she would she really liked it. So uh we're on number six now for me. Mm -hmm. So number six is from the album Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, and it is the title track, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. And it, nice to to listen, you know. I I was reading up on it. Geezer said writing the song, it was all about the ups and downs of the success of Black Sabbath, about dealing with mm -hmm the success dealing with the lawyers dealing with this dealing with the drug stuff and all that trying to trying to make it make it uh work but they had i think they had a kind of a writer's block if what i read was right they actually went and rented this house that was supposedly a haunted house uh, let me let me see where that was <laughs> that's so and, awesome and, that's so awesome yeah. Yeah, I, I don't mean, care if it's a lie. I don't care if they lied about it. That's so awesome. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, here it is. The band rented the supposedly haunted Clearwell Castle in hopes that the change of scenery would give them a vibe and shake, shake some songs loose. Apparently, it worked on their very first day there. I only wrote the riff to Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. So, awesome. yeah, what kind of band goes and rents a freaking haunted castle? And 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 work and it works like that. I mean, I've heard stories about bands like with Motley Crue with Shout of the Devil and and Nikki Six was kind of dealing with the occult a little too much from what it, the story goes. But yeah, Sabbath and you know all these people, uh, all these bands that come after Sabbath, they follow in Sabbath. Uh, you, you gotta you gotta say they follow in Sabbath. But Sabbath, I believe Sabbath, they are. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean. Yeah, even, yeah, I believe they are. Even Kiss, to a certain point, is following Sabbath. Uh, but Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath is my number six. So let's go That's, to your number five. What do you think? Well, what do you think about Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath? It's a great song. Like I like the whole album. I love that the, the the vibe is still the same, but 
Aussie's voice is refined. He's really on top. His his voice is what we all know it to be and think of it in our head. And uh, the, again, I, I think that whole album they're just they're launching into a harder guitar sound, a thicker guitar sound. And uh, even the drumming, I think, is there. It's always straightforward. That's the, the the other great part about Sabbath is even though it's evolving there's certain things they keep and I always find the drums are uh, straightforward and, and, and keeping that hard groove going in that direction. Um, but yeah, it's a great song. I, I like that whole album. All right, let's go to your number five. Um, hmm. Well, I really like jamming out to uh, children of the grave because of the drums. Uh, I think that that is just something you can't ignore whoever thought of the drum pattern like that again it's the same as the harmonica intro on um uh on the wizard that pro if that's yeah. a producer if that's the producer saying we're going to do this with the drums we're going to do this with the harmonica like that producer's worth his weight in gold he's beyond recording them and capturing this legendary sound if the producer is also adding these great intro ideas which really capture you. And that drum goes throughout, like, and that echo on the drums maintains the whole way through. And it's sweet. It's really sweet and sticks in your head. Can't get it out. And uh, also the vocals are sweet. I love, I think it soars above. Again, the, the Aussie vocals that we love when they go high and soar above and, and conquer. And then I yeah. think Dio does a version of it as well, uh, which is equally sweet. So just a slightly different, you know, that's so my, my, my number six. Yeah. yeah. You're, that's your number five. So number, number five for me, and this could be higher. This could actually be my top five. Could it could, really switch out anytime i could switch it up and it would be fine with me but number five for me is heaven and hell oh yeah you took one of mine yeah yeah when when you hear that opening and to hear it live the live versions of this where dio hits it and gets the crowd to do the oh i mean it is freaking awesome and and to hear it and we talked a little bit about when people hear the black Sabbath stuff, oh, it's dark and evil, it's satanic and all this. This song is like just saying you've got a little bit of heaven and you've got a little bit of hell in you. You know, there, there's, oh, yeah. there's good and bad in everybody. But Dio's the king of rock and roll rainbows, man. Like, yes. he, he made rainbows cool. He brings that word into, into Sabbath songs as well. Um, which is not common. Like he kind of breaks trends a little bit, but he's just showing that there's two sides to the coin. Like you're saying, there is a little heaven, yeah. there is a little hell. And that song intro, like you're saying again, the galloping of the horses, doom, da -da -dum, yeah. da -da -dum, da -da -dum, yeah. and the soaring vocals that Sabbath is known for. Ozzy may have made them known for it, but those vocals soar above. Like ba -ba -ba -ba, ba -ba -ba -ba. <laughs> It's so sweet. Like yeah. right off the bat. I Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin everyone's ears there, but so good. <laughs> it just I was as soon as you said the song, I started singing it in my head. I started dancing. Yeah. If you go back, I'm I like mean, this. 
Yeah, I saw you and you, you, you sing me a song, you're a singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Right <laughs> off the bat. And, and, and it's just, ugh. It's got a great melody to it. And, you know, then you think about when, uh-oh, uh-oh, before, before I go any further, we got, this is my guy that's going to come on tomorrow night and do the top 10 Aussie with me. This is Chris Odom. He's got 12. He said, I actually put down 12 for y'all in no particular order. So, Chris, post that in your comments, and then we'll go back after we get through and we'll compare with you on that. But, uh, yeah, even when it was funny that this song meant enough that when Dio came back to Sabbath later on, not the first time, but the second time, and Ozzy wouldn't, ha- wouldn't let them use the Black Sabbath name, they called themselves Heaven and Hell. So, I mean, that was how big that Sabbath song was. But, yeah. Ronnie James Dio, what can you say? Like you said, that guy is, is freaking awesome. Uh, yeah. You listen to some of the Dio stuff, Hungry for Heaven, uh, you know, Breathless, stuff like that. And then what was it? Uh, Mystery. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of Dio songs out there that people people don't hear a lot about Dio. But, man, uh, great, great vocalist. And, and just he doesn't get enough credit for the Sabbath stuff. I think it's interesting because uh, his talent level is so high. And it, this is where, again, where you see what a Sharon Osbourne can do for you. It's like, yes, your talent level can be awesome. But if you don't have the right hype train pushing you with the right message marketing wise, it's just it probably won't go very far. And that's the thing with Sabbath that they did right from the very beginning uh, they created their own sound within rock and roll by taking on the dark side. And it's a theme where it's explored throughout the 70s. I mean, Star Wars is uh, unmistakably about the same thing. And yeah. so is, you know, Lord of the Rings and all this stuff about good versus evil that was, you know, capturing minds in the 70s. Drug use, of course. They're just hitting on all the main key issues. And yep. Dio benefits greatly from getting his getting to be here so that we get to, you know, open that book and look at his other music, look at everything Dio did. But like Heaven and Hell is what I love about it. It, it is Sabbath, but it's so Dio. It's so Dio. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it it's is. like it is a meeting of the two worlds and shows if, it could it can really work well. If you heard it without knowing it was actual Sabbath song, wouldn't you think I mean, just, not just because of the. Vocal. Wouldn't you think that was a Dio song? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I could buy that idea. But when I hear it as the Sabbath, I listen for the drums. I listen for that straight beat that we're hearing, uh, that charge forward that Sabbath keeps presenting. Yeah. Uh, over, you know, it's part of their formula. So I'm like, yeah, it is. It is different, but it's the same. It's this. Yeah. It is why Dio fit great with it. And it just well, shows you. Uh, I mean, with Sabbath, when Dio came in, I, and I, you know, I wasn't following him back then, but you know, why would you change much about it? It was working with Ozzy, and then you bring a guy in like Ronnie James Dio. Why would you change your sound anyway? Uh, I mean, and they didn't and, really and he fit they, right in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he liked to write lyrics. So it, oh, this yeah. is the thing is, is you're getting a, 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 a new groove. You're getting a bit of a new formula in the studio where you're getting, um, you know, geezers writing with him where they're probably throwing ideas back and forth. 
um, you know, it's it's cool. It's cool to think about. And I know they loved working with him on those two albums. And then he came back later in 92 yeah. for that Dehumanizer. And then Ozzy comes back, what, in like 96 or 97? Yeah, yeah. And then and, and Dio comes back again after, what was it, 2015, 16, somewhere around there. Because Ozzy, Ozzy and Sharon wouldn't let him use Black Sabbath. So, which, you know, it it's is what interesting. It is. You know, what's interesting to me about that is, again, the hype train. And, you know, you want to get your name in the media. You want to get your music in the media. And like a few weeks ago, Neil Young came out and said, boo boo, Spotify. And then <laughs> and then he released an album a week later. And you're like, yeah. OK, there it is. OK, that's so why I did I, it. I, I like it when the hype train makes itself apparent and, you know, we, we, we can put aside any high and mighty ideas. And it's like, it's the same as when people were freaking out about hip hop artist Kanye West. And there's a, what is he going to say now? Well, that's the whole point. And if he's got you listening, that's fantastic. That's, marketing. He's won, that's, he's won that's, already. That's right. That's fantastic marketing. And, uh, you know, so Sabbath is just so good at this. And I, I'm not saying that they didn't dislike each other at times or they didn't fight or they didn't break up, but I will say they've always had the interest of making money uh, with that band because it should. The amount of music that band recorded in the, in that time period, I think is legendary yeah. to, to me as an artist, someone who's like, Oh God, like, I don't know. It's just, every, I'm tomorrow we release our 12th song. And then the next day we're going to the studio and we're going to do, we're going to record two more. So that'll put us at 14 songs. And then we have four other songs that we recorded in 2018 that are buried because they suck and we don't, we don't want to share them. Right. <laughs> so, so it's like in reality, you know, we're at 16 songs in like three or four years. I mean, COVID, you got to give us some credit because COVID yeah. ruins everything for everyone. But, exactly. you know, Beyond that, it's like if if I mentally try and stack anything I'm doing up against what those kids did, essentially, back in 1970, after be only knowing each other since 68, they come out to do 1970, 1971, 1972, 1973. There's albums, full full albums. And uh, I love it that they're working the – back then, it's the format. So today, we were talking about the single format, like the three-minute deal. Back then, it was the vinyl format. You got 40 minutes. You got eight songs. Fill it. Four on each side. And, and they were great at it. They kept doing it. Yeah, and, and don't you think that was kind of a trend back then, too, with the record companies putting out as much as you can? Because Kiss, Kiss did three albums in, like, three years as, as well <sighs> with their first three. And how, you know, like you – and you're – I mean – It's super I, hard, man. That's so awesome. It. You know, you put – 10 songs on an album, you probably got 16 or 17 at least wrote for an album. In three years, you wrote like 50, 50 songs. And how? How? I mean, a, yeah, that's where Iomi comes in as being um, why, in many ways, it will be Iomi's band because Go Down is his band because uh, he's a riff master. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna write that many songs, that you need to be an absolute riff master. And I mean, that's that's the thing is uh, the last year we've been working with uh, our new guitarist. He's very young. He's a baby, 
but he's very experienced. He's been playing festivals since he was 12 and uh, wow. uh, trained by his grandfather, who was like a wicked, wicked old rock and roll guitarist. And Joe is incredible. Like I was saying, if he was here right now, as we name the songs off, he could just start playing them. Um, we have so to get him next time. Yeah, he's an awesome dude. And uh, that's the thing you need. Like, because I can write lyrics. I like writing lyrics. I like getting into songs. But if I don't hear a riff that's inspiring or a riff that's like grabs me in a particular fashion, nothing's happening. Like the spark's not made. And I always able time and time again here, we're talking about riffs. Like we'll get into my next song here, uh, which is what? Number four? Number four. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with Iron Man. Because ah. I know, I know it has to be on your list, but I'm running out yeah. of songs too. I'm running. I, I, we, you've taken some of mine. I've taken some of yours. Oh, we know. I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, I knew it was going to happen. So, like, you get into Iron Man, and it's like, what's great about it is it's better. To me, it's better than Paranoid. Maybe not for you, maybe not for everybody, but it it has that ability to be perceived as maybe a better uh, romp, a better go. And that's kind of a fun idea. Like, if you're going for three to five minutes, like, it's on the long end. It's a five-minute song. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun. The song is sonically a lot of fun. They try different ideas. They try different things. They mess with Ozzy's voice. <laughs> I mean, they're they're probably really high when they did this song. Like, it goes probably... in a lot of different directions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, it's just a lot of fun. And like, who knows what, like the, insp- I don't know the background behind it, but just it's a legendary song yeah. and the hype behind it's real. Again, you know, and sometimes the hype doesn't match the skill. But what's so good about Black Sabbath and about these songs is, uh, as we're talking about, is the, the, the hype and the, and the songs, they, they match. They match. Yeah. They're saying this is going to be like a dark delicacy and you're going to enjoy this dark delicacy. You know, it's like dark chocolate. And, and you do. And it's great. And uh, Iron Man, I think, personifies what a lot of music tries to be for the next god knows how long you know yeah we'll get we'll get a little bit into the background of iron man in, in a little nice. bit it's, it's a little bit higher on my on my list but uh nice my number four is black sabbath yes uh, i mean from the yes. start when you hear the rain and you hear and you just hear that and i'm like really this, if I was a kid listening to this, I'd be scared out of my wits right now. But exactly, yeah. And then you hear Ozzy start talking about what is this coming to me, and then and then we said, "Oh no!" And then, man, you know, I don't see how you could not love that song if you're a fan of of rock music or metal music. That is a awesome song. But yeah, to to hear the eerie stuff coming out of there, and they, like you said, they played it to the T. They named the the band was called Earth before, and then they decided they see this movie, this Boris Karloff movie, Black Sabbath. They write the song Black Sabbath, and then they decide, well, we're going to call our band Black Sabbath. And I mean, I I can't see them doing a lot. I mean, yeah, they would have had the same music, but do you think it would still have the same effect if they were called Earth? I mean. No, I don't. No. I don't think so. I think that that Black Sabbath name, uh, once that song came out, 
that Black Sabbath name had a lot to do with, like you said, the hype machine. But this That's song right. is so eerie, and Iomi's riffs in this are killer. I mean, just – and I never understood until, I guess, I watched Behind the Music, VH1, and VH1, you really need to bring back Behind the Music more than, than you have on this Paramount Plus streaming stuff. But watching it on, and, and seeing how Iomi's – and it, I think working at a factory got his fingertips cut off and had to relearn how to play the guitar. And that's where that sound comes from. I was like, that that's freaking fantastic there. I mean, but I hate he got his fingertips cut off, but you know, that he was able to get that sound from it is great. But yeah, for me, number four, Black Sabbath. There are great stories of perseverance in rock and roll and, uh, and in rock music. I think that is a big part of the story. You know, you talk about one-armed drummers. You talk about guys missing fingers. You talk about guys not allowed to play in certain bars at times because they're black or whatever it might, may have been. I mean, rock and roll is about persevering and uh, rising above the blues, which is really, I think, you know, what uh, Black Sabbath continues to do, but it does it in that dark fashion. And in 1970, I think it's mind-blowing that that song comes out. The, the, they thought of Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, and had it done in 1970 is awesome. That is so awesome because there is no death metal. There is no metal. There is no shredding. There is nothing like Iomi, it. No, and Iomi sets the stage so all of this can happen. And, and, and Ozzy sets the stage so that a certain type of vocals can uh, be accepted in the main realm. And uh, Dio shows why another style of vocals is also acceptable with the same sound, which I think is also really, really cool. It's like you said about um, uh, Van Halen and the two singers, yeah. and it doesn't matter. The reason it doesn't matter is because those singers blended themselves with the music. They didn't fight it, and the music supported their voice. Um, and when we went to work with our producer years ago uh, originally, and we took those four songs I told you that we buried uh, to show him. And he was like, and he was like, yeah, but what genre are you? He was like, what, what genre are you guys supporting? You know, you can't just be rock music. And this is something important for all bands to think about. Uh, any garage band, it doesn't matter how serious you want to take it. I think it's awesome to say you want to be, a, even if you say you want to be a punk band, I think that's still not far enough. You have to define your genre even further today. You got to say, I'm this style of rock that really focuses on, uh, you know, on these artists and what they provided as influence. And, you know, we, we looked at uh, Almond Brothers, for example, as a band to look up to uh, for our sound. And Ozzy, my, our producer doesn't like my whiny voice. I can kind of do an Ozzy, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> my producer doesn't like it. He likes the raspy, you know, so. I, Again, I, think, I think your raspy voice sounds fine, by the way. Thank you. The fact that these guys all came together and made this sound happen with the producer and set, built a whole genre of music, an extension of, of, of the genre off of one song, Black Sabbath, is amazing. It's, it's insane. That one song is the basis for everything that comes afterwards, in my opinion. Yeah. I think and, they and probably wrote it first. Yeah, we talk about how amazing it was. They did three albums in the short time they did. <clears throat> the first album, if you believe what they say, and they and I've heard it several times, recorded in eight hours 
and cost twelve hundred dollars to to put out. And yeah, I, I that eight hour thing is 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 amazing to me that they recorded that album in eight hours. What is uh, Rick James saying the Dave Chappelle sketch there? Uh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know. Cocaine's think, a hell of a drug. <laughs> I think there are great legendary stories from the time period that match up. Where you hear about, uh, you know, Deep Purple or Led Zeppelin or the Stones recording albums in very short amount of time. Um, also, what I'll say is first albums, the first album can can often be recorded way faster than future albums because of the time and the preparation that was spent preparing it to That's be so true. good. Yeah, and that. so a band will will take time, a lot of time to make sure that first album is good. And and and, and uh, then you kind of got to wait a bit for the next because they were working quietly and you didn't know they existed. And then out comes all this new stuff, you know, Um that's why I find the Black Sabbath so awesome and so fascinating was that they didn't bend or break when they were told, do this a second album, do this a third album. They did it and they got better. But the connection between those four guys is why I think it's like you can't get away from the fact that Black Sabbath is those four guys. And yeah, all these awesome musicians come afterwards and carry the torch forward and Dio comes along and signs his name on it and all these other guys, like I listened to the other singers as well. Uh, yeah, I did what's his too. name? Giles. I mean, they all have unique voices. They all have cool, unique voices. Um, but I find that later on, without Dio, without Ozzy, the, the the talent scale tips in Iomi's favor. And so what we get is more Iomi influenced songs. Yeah. Uh, the bass yes. player has left. The drummer has left. And the original sharing of ideas and what Sabbath was is just falling to Iomi, which is ultimately why Dehumanizer comes in 92 when they bring Ozzy back in 96, because those are the guys who really did amazing things with, with the sound. And those original four, you can't, it's unmistakable. That bond that those guys created, I can't attest to it. I've never achieved that. And most bands yeah. will never achieve that tour to do, to go record an album release it successfully tour and only have one successful single out of that it just goes <laughs> to show you how much the world has changed musically this would be impossible completely impossible today uh to consider touring an album without without three single. singles without yeah, three yeah. per album so i mean it just shows you how music has changed and how much they influenced it and uh, also, just how good of musicians were back then. I'm not saying they're not they good today, that, that... Oh, but no. they were damn but, good back yeah. then. Yeah. So what do you got at number three? Okay, let's see if I haven't run out yet. I'll just check. Uh, you know, I'm almost out. So this song would actually be like my number one song, but we'll put it at number three. And uh, this song... I can't get over it how much I love this song. I, I don't know. I ooze I ooze love for this song. Hand of Doom. Hand of Doom. Uh, this would honestly be my number one. I find that the progression this song goes through, like I find that sometimes a long song doesn't earn or deserve a long song. And that's what a lot of producers will tell you too. Why songs got shorter? Because a lot of the long songs sucked. 
and they just didn't deserve to be so long. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Hand of Doom deserves every second it gets. If it's, I don't know how long it is, but it must be over six minutes. And and everything about the song is 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 a freaking masterpiece to me. Um, and again, I don't know what they're like. They're basing this on must be basing this all on classical influences. Like I'm I'm trying to think of what else would influence this minor style of music, this drudging forward style of music. What could inspire it besides classical? And that's so crazy to my mind because what inspired me uh, to do this style of music was rock music like this. Like I, I go, oh, okay, so if I want to do a dark style song, I'm going to look at uh, Alice Cooper. I'm going to look at Black Sabbath. Yeah. I'm going to look at Deep Purple. I'm going to look at the, um, you know, Marilyn Manson, uh, you know, eventually. And all these different artists who like ghosts that I was saying that take on the mantle of the darkness. So if you're new, that's what you do. You look at who are my influences? Who are their influences? Like that's, yeah. it's really, in, 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 uh, that's to me what's amazing about it. They came up with this plan and then musically executed it. And Hand of Doom is just so, so perfect. And as someone who's a recovered addict, I've been clean now like 10 years. Hand of Doom is just so, so powerful. And I can feel the angst. I can feel Ozzy uh, withdrawing in this song. Yeah, seven minutes and eight seconds. I love it. All of it. It's worthy. <laughs> Hand of Doom off the Paranoid album. So my yeah. number three, and you took my number three earlier, uh, your number eight, Paranoid. <laughs> yes. Paranoid was was my number three. I mean, I, I have a I have a affection for the Paranoid album, being that was the first album I really – listen to for for sabbath and uh just just to get one song i got that cassette but then i ended up like uh you see how many paranoid i mean how many paranoid songs i've got on my list there's one well i can't give away all of them yet but yeah i mean paranoid for me to, from the start of it doom 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 doom, 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 doom. i mean and you know there's with some bands, when you hear this, their songs like, and I guess there's probably some people out there that have fatigue with with that because they hear it a lot, or Iron Man, but not with me. I mean, not with with me on either one of those songs. Uh, just great. I could I could listen to them over and over. I don't. I'll tell you this: when they came come on, I don't hit the. I don't skip. I, I, yeah. I, love, I love both of them, but uh, Paranoid number three for me. So let's get to your number two. Okay, uh, well then, I guess we're going to look at... I'm going off some other ones because I've said them all somehow. Okay, let's go with NIB or NIB. I think uh, it's like what we know as Ozzy, uh, what we come to expect from him. And just, yeah, that's a wicked song. My notes for it are sp are sparing, but I, I put down that this is a wicked song. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, NIV is definitely a wicked song there. So number two for me, and this is another one off Paranoid, uh, War Pigs. Has to be dun, here, right? Dun, dun, dun. And then dun, dun. You know, I can remember actually hearing this, and this is crazy that I that it, the first time I remember hearing this song, when I, when I heard it later, I went, oh, that was on that Saturday Night Live. 
Dennis, when Dennis Miller did the weekend update, they had the intro to it and War Pigs was playing in the back. And of course, this was probably 83, 84. The Cold War was at the height of its, it was the peak there. And I think that was done intentionally to play because this was what that was. War Pigs was aimed at the Vietnam War. Uh, it was against the war and all that. Of course, if you listen to the lyrics, general gathering at their masses, uh, just like witches at black masses. Yeah, he's, he's definitely anti-war here. And uh, that time frame with, with Vietnam and stuff, it, yeah, war pigs. But to hear the, I guess for me, when, when you hear that intro to it, and it's kind of like, they stop and, and Ozzy, Ozzy sings and then they catch back up and then it goes into a whole different. I'm like, holy crap. When, Worth like I said, all seven minutes and 57 seconds. Exactly. As a, as a 13 year old kid, this was like mind blowing to me. I was like, these, these guys are awesome. And uh, yeah, but war pigs, number two for me. You know, I would put that right right there as well for myself. And the thing about War Pigs is, like, uh, the mixing of the dark occult motif with the anti-war message yeah. is so cool and not often done. Like, there's lots of, you know, anti-war songs, but not done with uh, occult messaging. So yeah. it's very – it's the lyrics are very smart and – uh, again, the mixing of those two motifs worked really well, showing the evil of war and uh, the evil of mankind. And then again, the musicality represents the words perfectly. Again, that's, I think, why this band is so legendary, is the musicality represents the lyrics, the lyrics represent the musicality, and it just, they're hand in hand, and they're happily going forward. And the times we, we aren't big fans of the songs, I think, are when it's, going far away from that it's getting away from that um uh i would also give message to uh off that same album fairies wear boots, wear boots. <laughs> yeah yeah as a very cool song and uh another one i think like that whole album's very solid like that's yeah. not an album to the to, 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 like it's cool that you have the personal connection to it like in yeah. fact it's you're lucky that you get a personal connection to it because my personal connection to this album is as a kid uh, knowing guitar teachers and knowing their opinions on these songs just being i'm going to teach this song for the hundredth time today here we go let's do the paranoid lick or here we go we're going to do iron man again for the thousandth time you know but the reason is because these riffs grabbed people and these riffs made people go to the store and buy a guitar yes and and yeah. that is that's why these songs, people are now sick of them or whatever you want to say, because they completely serve their purpose. If, you know, you might hear a hit song today, but does it make everyone go out and buy that instrument? Like, no, no. That's what was really special about, about your experience with this album and with this music is like people were listening and then they were like, I'm going to play that. I'm going to go home and I'm going to rock that out. I'm going to be Tony Iommi or Tommy Iommi, you know, like I'm going to do this. And um, so, yeah, I, I'll just say fairies with wear boots is a great song as well. Yeah. What's your number one? Number one. Yes. Drum roll. Of course. Iron Man. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, that that started it all for me with Sabbath. Uh, funny story, I'll tell you this. That same year for Christmas, you know, we got the cassettes and stuff, and then there was, you know, I had a, you know, I'd, I'll honestly say I take my hat off to my parents. I don't know how they got me all this cool stuff back when I was a kid, but I never, never went without as far as, and musically, they could have said, you know, we, you don't need that. That's nothing you need, but no, they, they did that. But, uh, got that, that same, the same year I got a keyboard, one of those cheap, I mean, it wasn't anything fancy or anything, just a cheap little plug one. And I sat in there at, my kitchen table one night it was probably christmas night and mm-hmm. listening to that intro to it and i i by ear i i figured out how to play iron man on the keyboard and then yeah. I was like, oh this is pretty cool and to this day like uh it's been over the last summer i, I coach a football team and and they're in the when we have summer workouts they had a piano in there and i, I was sitting there let's see if i still know how to do this and i I played a little bit of it, and and the guys were like, "Wow, that's Iron Man, isn't it?" I was like, "You guys know what Iron Man is? I've played it right, and I know." It, yeah, there you but, go. Yeah, Iron Man, you know the whole wrestling connection with the Road Warriors, and but then it just opened up everything else to Black Sabbath, and to listen to the to the little bit of background on it and the words, no, it's not it's not dealing with Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. But it is. It says it's about a man who travels through time, sees the end of the world, on his way back to Earth to warn the human race. He goes through a magnetic storm and is turned to iron. Nobody believes him about the end of the world, and he gets mad, taking his rage out on the human race, thus bringing about the end of the world that he saw. Of course, Giza Butler explained that Ozzy Osbourne put the idea in his head. I was walking down the street one day and thought, what if they were a bloody great bloke made out of metal walking about? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, Iron Man. It's like I said, like you said earlier, it goes in a lot in in many different directions. I mean, from the slow, dun, dun, and then it speeds up. Then I mean, it's all over the place. But it's such a great song. And I mean, I know there's Sabbath fans and, and rock fans out there fatigue. We don't want to hear Iron Man anymore. It's on everything. But for me, my favorite Sabbath song, and, and not just because of the personal connection, but just because I love Iron Man. The story, it's got a good story to it. And I love hearing hearing songs that, that tell a story. And you actually, I can remember listening to it and hearing hearing the story you know, in my head. I'm like, okay, you know what this is about. But that's what gets me about a song when it tells you a story and you can actually see it in your head. All right, this is what's going on. This is what he was thinking. But yeah, Iron Man for me is number one. So you got, you you putting Fairies Wear Boots as number one? No, like my, I would put my personal number one, like I said it a bit ago. I, you know, I think my personal number one's Hand of Doom. Okay. But, but you could also easily put War Pigs up there. Um, and also, you know, I'll, <sighs> I'll add this in here as well. I, I found that the song Sleeping Village was an opportunity to hear a completely different Aussie. Um, maybe one you won't even hear on, a, on an Aussie Osborne in the future. It's a very unique uh, vocal track. And I, and I find my, my head just keeps going to vocals 
it first when i listen to right. these songs the first thing my head analyzes or breaks down is uh, it's interesting is my head will break down is can i can i do this can is there a way to replicate this in any capacity and it, it's not like i want to think that way it's just the way my brain is wired right. now so when i listen to songs it'll automatically go to this mode of breaking down the vocals and so i i had a lot of fun listening to ozzy throughout these um throughout the 10 years there's a real change. There's a real growth you can hear, uh, a changing of his voice. There's also uh, a changing of, uh, of his delivery. Yeah. So I don't know if he had someone come in and tell him to do things differently or if they just judged it off of success of certain songs and said, this song did really well. This is the voice you got to stay in. But again, I would hazard a guess that Sharon Osbourne plays a very big role from the beginning in in molding Ozzy, taking him to another oh, level. Yeah. Uh, and Iomi and Butler and Bill Ward all obviously believed in this guy who because they wrote lyrics for him. I think that's, again, something very uh, interesting to me. Um, like my bass player, Alex, is an incredible bass player, but I would feel so guilty if I asked him to write my lyrics <laughs> on top of writing his baseline. Yeah. And then I took the glory on stage um, and in the, and in the press meetings afterwards, um, it would be very, for me, I don't know. Maybe that makes me silly or something, but no, I see what you're coming from. Cause that's like, that's, the singer is going to get a lot of credit, whether he wrote the song or not. Yes. He's going to get a lot of the credit. Yes, and Ozzy's voice should get a lot of credit, but like yeah. these guys obviously cared about him for 10 years because he was the one doing the most drugs and getting the most carried away. Yeah. Um, and missing things, etc. But he, of course, has the last laugh. Like you're going to do when you're meeting tomorrow or in your next podcast, you're going to talk probably about how he goes on to what? Quadruple his earnings? Yes. That he made with, with Black Sabbath? Like he he really puts it in the rear view mirror. Um, whereas Iomi's never able to, it's always, yeah. that's why I say it's Iomi's band. Uh, it's his through the good and the bad. Yeah. Once the, you know, once ba uh, black Sabbath isn't great anymore, Ozzy's not there anymore. He's only there for, for good stuff. I mean, even the, the weaker um, stuff that he's on with them is amazing. And yeah. the same with Dio, his Dio stuff with them is just, good it's all good you can have different preferences but again i most musicians aren't good enough to do what they do today in my opinion yeah. play I for agree. seven minutes on average most like i don't even know that i would be interested in doing that format so it just shows you how even i'm affected like i'm a rock and roller and i love some of these seven minute songs but even for me i'm like that's daunting that's daunting to think about how i'm going to sell that to people today people are infatuated with things like Island boys where there is literally, I don't know if you ever saw these guys, but there's literally no, no musicality or no lyrics or no work to it. It's, it's one verse, you know, the oh, sampling world. What's that? Sorry. You said uh, one verse over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and this is what we see today or what happened with sampling kind of got to the point where it's, I don't know. 
I love all music. I, I'm the first one to tell you I took jazz, tap, ballet. So if people are going to say I'm criticizing, and hip-hop and African dance. So people are going to say I'm criticizing other types of music. I, I'm not. I'm not. But I will say that it's all these different styles of music have impacted each other. And that I'm not sure if it's good all the time or not. Like, I'm not sure that rock should impact pop. I'm not sure that pop should impact rock. But you know what? Artists come along. They're born. They hear all these different stylings. And they want to yeah. combine them. Yeah. And that's just that's 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 just music. So it's like there's no purity, there's no right, there's no wrong, except for what we hear. We hear Sabbath, we're like, that's dark and it's right. That's supposed yeah. to be like that. You know, and, and sometimes I think people try too hard to make something different. I mean, you know, Sabbath, like we said, Sabbath didn't have anything to go back, they would they had nobody that played that so. kind of stuff like that. And I think, I think people now, some of these artists nowadays try too hard to make it something that nobody's ever heard before. Cause they think they're going to pave the way. And sometimes it, it, it may end up good. Sometimes it ends up like a train wreck, but uh, I mean, you know, but they're trying they're trying to, to start something new. And to me, I don't know. I, I like the, I like the old sound. That's why I was drawn to you guys, for for sure. You guys have that sound. Uh, you like like you said, you're, you're Almond Brothers and and all that stuff. But I don't know the the newer stuff to me. It's and I don't want to criticize anybody, but it it, it sounds kind of just stale. I don't know to me. To me. Yeah, music is uh, a lot about patterns, right? It's a lot about, it's a lot like uh, making a, it's a lot like sewing or building. Like, you know, there's a certain way to go about doing it in architecture. There's certain design patterns you can come up with. And that's what producers are great at. They like, uh, if you have a, we're lucky to have a producer who studied the hell out of Led Zeppelin and studied the hell out of um, the Black Crows and studied the heck out of uh, the Almond Brothers and CCR and all my leg and all those legends of, of, of what I guess today is classified as Southern rock or roots rock. Yeah. Um, and honestly, for me, it felt like my voice fit there. And so what I can say for Ozzy is when he got into this style of music, the band was looking for this sound. They were looking for whatever fit Ozzy's voice here the best. And they experimented with a few, a little bit of different sounds in the first couple albums. But overall, his voice fits it perfectly. Yeah, and it Dio, does. And then Dio spins it. So like Ozzy becomes the Prince of Darkness and he never leaves it because he's never going to be uh, anything else. That's His voice fits that, that genre. And I think that's something super hard, very hard for any um, vocalist to accept. Uh, Bob Dylan would call it being pigeonholed or, um, you know, whatever held back Prince would too. These guys were artists though on another level. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I would say is Ozzy is, is the top of what I would call uh, like he's selling that character. That character is him. It's like the kiss thing. It's like uh, yeah. that the character matches the sound matches the vibe and matches the musician. And Ozzy's like at the top of that. And when you get above an Ozzy Osbourne, you're jumping into Prince. You're jumping into another level where these artists literally do everything. 
they write the music, they write the lyrics, they write every, they're control freaks. Yeah, is, is is what they are. Yeah, look at look at Wolfgang Van Halen, his album. He played yeah. every instrument on the album. He wrote all the lyrics. So I mean, yeah, he's that's ugh. there. That's a control freak, right? But I mean, yeah. so is Jimi Hendrix. So is Jimi Hendrix. Um, a lot of these greats who are, like I said, they're they're this. There's music. Ozzy's a legend to me because I look up to him and I say, Ozzy's so good because he let people work with him. Yeah. He lets other people shine, um, which is not always common. He's a front man who is so confident in his sound that he's able to allow for uh, Tony, uh, Tommy and for Geezer and for Bill, for all these guys um, to be amazing and, and shine in their own way. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So that's so, what I like about him. We've done our top ten. And uh, like I said, Chris Odom, who is going to do the Ozzy songs with me tomorrow night, he put a list in here of ten songs. And I'm going to read these off to you. Some of them are repeats from us. Uh, he's got Paranoid. Yep. Which, of course, we talked about. He's got The Wizard from your list. Nice. Iron Man. Yep. Children of the Grave, which was on your list as well. Heck yeah. Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. On your list. Yeah. NIB, which was on your list. Nice. nice. Never, never Say Die, which wasn't on oh, our cool. list. Oh, cool. Okay. Off the last Aussie album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before the comeback. Heaven and Hell, mm. which we had. Uh, Lady Evil. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah. Sign of the Southern Cross. Children of the Sea, and then yep. Symptom of the Universe. So nice, nice. He, he, we had we had some repeats. He had some some ones we didn't have up there. And Chris, we're looking forward tomorrow night to talking a little Ozzy. And we, but uh, something else we got to talk about here. We talked a lot about Black Sabbath, but tomorrow is a very important day. <laughs> February seventeenth is the day the new Tame and Sorry single comes out. Uh, the imposter. Now, yeah. the last single was crazy, which I loved. Mm. If you guys have not checked that out, go back and check that out tomorrow. When the best thing to do tomorrow, when this comes out, go on Apple Music, wherever you want to go to, and check out all of these songs. These guys have got incredible songs. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I've got the shirt. I bought the shirt. Love to see these guys at concert. If COVID would let us do it, we, we'll try to make a, a concert with Tame and Sorry. But talk a little bit about this new single, The Imposter. Okay, so um, we recorded it on the same weekend as Crazy. Um, and, you know, it came to, it, it came together really nice. I think it's it's – a good song. I like it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, the, the, yeah. the Greta Van Fleet um, thing makes me feel great. That's a, that's a great compliment that your daughter gave us. Definitely will take that. Um, Cause it is in that classic vibe feel and it does uh, fit that, that genre and that style. So I'm happy about that. That's really yeah. good. Um, it, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, I guess the idea behind the song is is that sometimes you think you know somebody or sometimes you think you know what's going on and uh, you don't. You've been fooled. You, you know, sometimes we, I think we've all encountered a very good fraud 
uh, in our yeah. life, yeah. a very good fake in our life, you know, and it's affected us in, in, in emotionally because it's kind of like getting stolen from, you know, when someone steals from you, there's this rage in you where you feel violated, you know, and it, it's the same thing with the imposter. Uh, that's the idea is uh, you come across this fraud or this fake, but you're in love with it. I mean, be it an object, yeah. be it a person, be it whatever. And you don't mind being the fool. You don't mind playing that role for a time because uh, it's it's too good to be true, but you want that. So uh, we uh, the graphic design that we've come up with uh, for this time is uh, we took the Mona Lisa and we've turned her into the Mona Sari. And oh. uh, yeah, yeah. So I posted that up on my Facebook and uh, that on my Instagram and all that. And that'll be the imagery. Um, the other big news is coming out with this single is, is uh, we're going to sell our first vinyls. So we've printed up oh, our very wow. first vinyls. Yeah. And we're going to be able to sell them everywhere, ship them everywhere, um, which is really, really awesome. So tonight we've got a team of people working on the website right now as we're speaking. And they're just making sure that it's good to go uh, at midnight. Um, because we're going to launch the song and then at the same time, people are going to be able to pre pre purchase, pre order these vinyls because uh, we just got the first test copies today. And so the vinyls are 10 songs. It's the we've got six songs on it from the Thirsty from the Drought uh, original album and four songs on it from that we've recorded during the pandemic, um, including The Imposter. So it's a 10 song album on vinyl. And um, first time we've ever printed a hard copy version of Loving Way, one of our songs, Gone and Runaway, Crazy, or The Imposter. Those have never been hard printed before. So all those showing up on this vinyl. Um, right now, our website is probably down. But again, tomorrow. Yeah, I, that's what I, I was looking at yeah. right now. If you saw my face, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was going to try to. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can't right now. It's down right now. Um, they're uploading the new stuff. It's a whole new revamp. We're with a new management group. Um, we're, you know, getting ready for hopefully touring 2023 and trying to put everything forward to that direction. Uh, we'd love to get a full album going again, but tomorrow's going to be another, or this weekend. It's awesome. We're going to release a song on the 17th. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'll be recording in the big city, the big Canadian city of Toronto um it's our big city it's six million people yeah, i know american i know americans it's like they're like ah, <laughs> whatever for, for us it's our big city <laughs> that's our big that's our big land of Look, whatever you know you know so, you know where i come from bud i told you this i know I'm yeah yeah you're coming from like 100 90 people. people so six yeah. million yeah that's pretty big <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and then, like, uh, we, we're all from the Ottawa area, which is uh, on the border with Quebec uh, here. So there's two provinces. And that's why our band is, like, half French and half English, um, like, member-wise. And uh, it's just very interesting how, you know, maybe 40 years ago, our band was impossible. Maybe the relationships between, you know, the French and the English here weren't that great 40 years ago. That This wouldn't have even worked. So I think right. it's really cool to see like how rock can bring people together and it's still, it's still doing it, you know, and, uh, the imposter we're excited. I can't wait. Um, I'll tell you a story. We were going to do a music video for it just like we did for crazy. Right. Um, 
but it's been postponed four times, four months in a row because of COVID. Restrictions kept coming down just as we would be about to go or somebody got sick once. There was all these different postponements. So now we don't know if when the video will come out or if it's going to, you know, what's going to happen. But we just decided it's time. Let's get the song out there. And, uh, and then again, this weekend, we go back to Toronto. We record more songs. And I can tell you those are, I'm really excited. I'm already excited about the new songs. That's the bad part. Like I should be really excited about Imposter, but I recorded it now so long ago. It feels like I'm excited about the new stuff now. It's so, it's so, it's so interesting, but. I look at it like this. If you're excited about the new stuff, I've heard Imposter and Imposter is awesome. If you're excited about new stuff, then, then I'm excited about the new stuff here. Oh yeah. yeah, it's really good. So, I'm really I, excited I, like about I said, because every time you sent me, like I think crazy, you sent me a, a skeleton version of crazy, and and I was like, holy crap! And I was not trying to blow smoke up your butt or anything. I was like, holy crap, this is good. And uh, crazy goes on to be a huge success in Canada, and now with the imposter hearing that early, it it, it kind of I won't say made my day. It well it did make my day yesterday when I get. I'm surprised to get a, a, a email or a Twitter message from you. And it had the link to it. I was like, new song. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Perfect time, too. But, guys, if you want to check them out, check them out. And, and the website, like you said, is down right now because I just tried it'll to be, go. It'll be up sorry. in the morning. Yeah. TamonSorryBand.com. And that's TamonSorry, S-A-R-I, Band.com. But if, yeah, check them out, guys. Check them out on Apple. Check them out on Spotify. Like we said, new single coming out tomorrow, The Imposter. And I promise you guys, I love The Imposter. And, and this guy's voice is incredible. He doesn't <laughs> give himself enough credit. I mean, he's got an incredible voice. Because uh, even my daughter was like, this is just, and this was several songs ago. I think it might have been crazy that she was talking about that. She said, wow, these guys are good, Dad. And uh, but yeah, you have really got me pumped up about the vinyl, though. I you have got to let me know yeah. so I don't miss out on the vinyl deal because I you won't I, miss out on it. You won't. It is limited, but you won't miss out. I'll make sure of that. And yeah. uh, yeah, we're having fun. We're having fun making music and uh, making rock music. And you know, cheers to you know to Tony Iommi. Cheers to Geezer Butler. Cheers to Bill Ward. Cheers to Ozzy Osbourne. Cheers to uh, all those uh, legends who really... Uh, Ronnie James Dio. Yeah, set the stage and uh, put in a lot of work so that we could enjoy rock music and, and keep it going here. Uh, I guess they celebrated 50 years on an album there last yeah. week, on, uh, you know, on Paranoid or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that was 50 years. It's hard to believe that's been... We're getting old. Yeah. Well, you may not be getting old, but I'm getting old. Oh, I am. I am, I'm too. Almost we're, as we're all Paranoid. <laughs> we're all getting old it, it keeps going time just keeps going and Look, uh before we let you go we talked a little bit about it, and i meant to say something about this a while ago and i i know i keep rambling on but i could talk all night about this stuff you talked about the hype machine about and mm. talked about neil young another issue making the news in the last couple of weeks eddie vetter and the motley crew feud and then eddie vetter's solo album comes out so i mean you think that he might have been looking for some publicity there to get, yeah. And you know, I mean, 
rock musicians were so good at this and maybe they were the best at one point in time um when they you know were trashing hotel rooms or or making (laughs) these great getaways and you know this was literally a lot of the times their manager thinking how am i going to get us on the front page tomorrow morning because if we aren't on the front it's like a twitter it's like it's the same thing it's just how are we gonna how are we gonna ratio how are we gonna how are we going to be trending on Twitter? That's right. So, the, you know, rock bands were so good at this. Ozzy, of course, you're going to get into tomorrow about how he's maybe oh. the best ever. Maybe. Maybe the best ever at, yeah. at playing this game with the media and always being one step ahead of them. Uh, I'm not that smart. I mean, I'm always learning and having fun with it and getting better and learning about the media more and you know it fascinates me and I, but my respect for these guys who have a mastery of it uh it's it's about a team as well that's yeah. what i'll say you you build a team some of these guys like neil young they've built an incredible team over the years ozzy's built an incredible team over the years and uh you all you can do is learn from them you know yeah. there's nothing wrong with being a hype machine if you're proud of your work it's no different than renting a billboard if you're an auto mechanic and you think you're the best auto mechanic. You know, there's no you believe in yourself, you advertise and you push. And that's no different in in any industry. And the Ozzy Osbournes are just and the Black Sabbaths are just the ones who figured it out really fast and, and, and you know, set the trend so that people could figure it out for themselves really fast. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I hate to say it, but I think this night's going to come to an end. I had a blast, as always. And like I said, we've got we've got more people to talk about. We've we've already discussed this: who, who your influences are, who you like, who you know the most about. We're going to talk about that. I may not know as much about the the next ones that, but I'll do my research. I'll try to learn more. But we're going to definitely have you back again. Like I said, guys, Tame and Sorry, new single coming out tomorrow. Check it out on Apple and Spotify. It's called The Imposter. Check out the website, tameandsorryband.com. And, guys, gosh, we got we got vinyl coming out. I'm, I'm excited about the vinyl now. I really yeah. am because that, that's, that's – you know, I like the hard copy stuff. I like to be able to hold it in my hand, and that, that's just awesome there. But, Warren, thank you so much for taking time. We've talked almost two hours uh, tonight, but I've loved every minute of it. Guys, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Tell your band members. Awesome job on the imposter. And like I said, you guys check them out tomorrow. That is Warren Meredith from Tame and Sorry. Night, everybody.